Welcome to This Endorian Life, a Star Wars podcast from the Radio Meanwhile Network. My name is Steve Rudd. I'm Nick Gunning, and we're following the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi to the Ewok TV movies, the 80s cartoon and the comics, and I guess now back to Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah, this is this is where we started, man. This is the OG, it's the beginning. I know. Just, except different media. That's right. Just a different Full media, circle, baby. <laughs> yeah. So today... In honor of the film's 40th anniversary, in case you haven't noticed, right. we are discussing Return of the Jedi, a novelization by James Kahn. <laughs> the novel was originally released by Del Rey Publishing on May 12th, 1983. Yeah. So you, you we were this pre boys. Not even, I, no, you weren't. You were nothing. I was, oh yeah, you were I was, a wee boy. Yeah, I was here, not you. I was a wee fetus. Yeah, that's <laughs> You were yeah. a distant thought. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, let's talk a little bit about the book covers, because yeah. I checked mine out from my local library, and mm -hmm. it was actually the original uh, that the library would have purchased in 1983. Okay. And so it's the original, like the classic cover, but it's printed in a library binding, which is like where they take a paperback put like a basically a white spine on it and then sort of print the cover over it. So it was kind of a cool little uh, curio that mine was. Okay. Uh, and one interesting thing about that is Luke is on the cover with a, well, you don't actually see Luke. So maybe it's somebody else, but you see like hands holding a lightsaber, but it's blue and Luke's in this is green, which I think your cover takes into account, right? Yeah. So mine is the VHS cover, you know, Return of the Jedi with the green hue yep. to everything yep. behind the Emperor Luke and Vader and Yoda mm -hmm. with, I mean, you, if you look at this, it's like you realize how basic these covers were, but they're so iconic, like the green. Oh, yeah. I remember oh, yeah. Hope was like purple. Mm hmm. That purple look to it. Empire Strikes Back had that like blue look mm -hmm. to it. Was like, like a silver blue. blue. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And then this is the green. It's yep. like so iconic. I just the VHS. That's it's all I can describe memorable. it as. Like yep. that was the VHS cover. Yep. From yep. way back in the day. I know just what you mean. The re-release, I guess, of it. That's right. That's what it is. Yeah, because I had the VHS box set that it was like one one was like half of Vader's face, one was half of Yoda's face. And I think the other oh, one was okay. like a stormtrooper, maybe, in like a box set. That's the one that I had. Anyway, yeah. This uh this book, as we said, was written by James Kahn. Uh, so James Kahn is our featured creative today. Uh, he worked on several film novelizations from the 80s, including The Goonies, Temple of Doom, and both Poltergeist 1 and 2. He also worked as a television writer on shows like Xena Warrior Princess, Star Trek The Next Generation, and Voyager Plus, Melrose Place, where he served as an executive producer. So shout out to Kendra huh. over on 9021. Here we go. That is awesome. Uh, he has a website called thatjamescon.com, which has a lot of interesting little factoids on it. You can also buy his current work uh, and, and some of his older stuff. And he, you know, personalize it and signs it all super reasonable prices. So wow. the, the website's cool. Very cool. Before we dive into it, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, what he, what he said about the writing of return of the Jedi. So this is directly okay. from his, his website. I got the offer to write this one, I think, for two reasons. First, my World Enough in Time, which is an original series that he wrote. Editor at Delray Books, Judy Lynn Delray, was also the editor for Return of the Jedi, and she recommended me for the gig. After that, Spielberg confirmed to Lucas what a nice job I'd done on Poltergeist. This was a dream job, he says, but also on a very tight schedule. I ended up writing it in 26 days, basing it on an early draft of the script and a lot of production stills. I wrote an entire new chapter about Leia's backstory on Alderaan, but George Lucas cut it. 
It wasn't his version of Leia's backstory, which he knew quite well, and I didn't. So the book cues very close to the film with some added dimension to the characters, which I do. I you did notice quite a bit of that. Yeah. Uh, and my own imaginary visuals since I hadn't seen the movie. So he's writing this from an early script and just stills and that's it. Did we say he wrote it in 26 days? 26 days. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's insane. I, I mean, know. it's not it's not super long, but it is 100. I mean, my version is 100 and. 81 pages yeah mine's in that ballpark too and i would say that it's pretty well written yeah it is really well written man i mean i have to do this i have to read the first two paragraphs okay of the prologue okay because i thought it was so good so it starts the prologue is the very depths of space there was the length and width and height and then these dimensions curved over on themselves into a bending blackness measurable only by the glinting stars that tumbled through the chasm, receding to infinity, to the very depth. These stars marked the moments of the universe. There were aging orange embers, blue dwarves, twin yellow giants. There were collapsing neutron stars and angry supernovae that hissed into the icy emptiness. There were borning stars, breathing stars, pulsing stars and dying stars there was the death star yeah when i like when i started i was just like yo this is like already so it's like so good we don't get a scroll yeah right we don't get the um no we don't get the crawl uh, but we don't get the crawl that's it yeah sorry but we got that and i'm Mm -hmm. like yo okay that's no all right it's really strong and you know yeah so prior to this the only thing that i read by him was the goonies novelization we did an episode on the goonies Uh, over on But Have You Tried for the David A. Howe Public Library. So you can go listen to that wherever you get your podcast. Okay. But the Goonies novelization is is weird because it's written in first person as Sean Astin's character, Mikey, is like describing mm-hmm. scenes and stuff. And so he's sort of writing like a 12-year-old would talk and it just got really old really fast. So I was kind of like, oh, is this oh, going to okay. suck? But no, I thought this was really good. I thought there was a huh. lot of places where he gave, I think particularly Han... But also Vader got some good stuff, too, where you just got more insight yeah. of them kind of like thinking about you got things. their inner thoughts. Yeah. And I think that that was really cool. That I'll, I'll bring that up later, yeah. because I thought there was some really poignant scenes in the movie that were very intense with no talking. Mm-hmm. But here we got kind of like what was going on in their minds. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa, that's it became more layered yeah. as opposed to what we were watching. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Yeah, you know, they say, what is a picture is a thousand words, yeah. but like, you know. He proved it. You know, I guess. Two, seconds, <laughs> yeah. two, two, three seconds. Yeah, it's yeah. like two, three seconds of like video footage of two people looking at each other mm-hmm. with like a thousand words. Yeah. And it was just like, yo, this yeah. is wild. No, it was definitely cool. Oh, man. All right. Why don't you read us the publisher's summary before we get yes. too deep into this discussion? I will. It was a dark time for the Rebel Alliance. Han Solo, frozen in carbonite had been delivered into the hands of the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. Determined to rescue him, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Landau Calrissian launched a hazardous mission against Jabba's Tatooine stronghold. The rebel commanders gathered all the warships of the rebel fleet into a single giant armada, and Darth Vader and the Emperor, who had ordered construction to begin on a new and even more powerful Death Star, were making plans to crush the rebel alliance once and for all. 
Return of the Jedi has always been my favorite of the original trilogy. Like from the first time I saw it, like up until now and the most recent rewatch mm-hmm. I did when I showed my son, it's just so good. And I think that mm-hmm. reading this novel really drove that home because I love, I love the segments that you get, you know, you get this whole like espionage clandestine thing. Oh yeah. You know, with Jabba's pals, you see Luke showing up all hardcore. Like that's, that's just like a great sequence. Yeah. And then we move to outside and Tatooine and, you know, Boba Fett and the Sarlacc pit and that whole fight, like on the surface. And then mm-hmm. we move to Endor and the Ewoks. And like, I feel, I know there's beats in between, but those three like chunks, they're so different from each other. Like the tone mm-hmm. feels so different and you get like yeah. all three of these adventures in this really cohesive way. And you know, the book just really brought that out to me about how cool that is to move through it. I, I love the structure of the movie. What I realized from reading the book mm-hmm. is that I thought the same thing you did. There are like three segments. Yeah. But the thing is, the first segment is just one thing going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's Jabba's Palace, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Then the second segment is two things. It's the Rebel Alliance and it's the Empire. Mm. And the third segment there's three things going on. Mm. There's Luke, Vader, and Emperor, that whole conflict. There's the rebel fleet in space, and there's Endor. Mm-hmm. And reading it, I was like, oh, yeah. They do such a good job in the movie of like flipping back and forth to these three things going on yeah. all at the same time, and it works. Yeah. And in the book, it works. Yeah. Like just it, it just I was just like, oh yeah, I, I forgot how good that part of the movie is where so much is happening, yet it all just is cohesive, it works. I think they flipped to the right things at the right time. I do too. They probably worked a long time on that, like, okay, after this scene, where should we you know, after Leia and you know, and and Han are captured in the base, like do we flip to Luke or do we flip to the fleet? Yeah. You know, what 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 do we do? Where do we go? You know, kind of thing. I thought that was really good. I agree. Having just read Donald Glutt's uh, Empire Strikes Back novelization Mm. and just remembering the movie, the two movies are so different. And so naturally the two books are so different. But I think Mm -hmm. that the Empire Strikes Back obviously is is the one that's somber. It's darker. It's not as adventure heavy as some of the others. And so to go from that into Return of the Jedi, and you make a great point because it's not just the fact that we're building these different settings, but we're also like exponentially increasing the story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Each change, you know, and you're right. By the end, you have so many things going on and you're seeing not only the climax of this movie, but a climax of a saga, you know, coming to a yeah. close, like all three movies, you know, the, the tease of Luke wanting to get off Tatooine, having this confrontation on Tatooine rolling into this big confrontation with his father, which has been this overriding thing. It's just really well done. And like, I know that's not breaking any new ground to say the original star Wars trilogy is good, (laughs) but I just think. Yeah. If you just pull it back and just sort of look at it as like storytelling as literature, you know, and just think about all the building blocks that went into place to make return of the Jedi such uh, such a satisfying climax. It's just, just really cool to see. And I think reading it in book form makes the point even more obvious. Yeah. I mean, I thought there were aspects like, if, you know, if we kind of like start at the beginning, yeah. right. And start working our way sure, through, sure. like there's at the very beginning, Vader is dreaming of, he, he has this like kind of plan mm-hmm. of, uh, of the emperor being dead right. and ruling the galaxy with his son. Mm-hmm. 
So I thought I always thought that that was just kind of a ploy that Vader used to tempt Luke oh, to join him. Yeah. Like, join me. We can rule the galaxy as father and son to like try and lure him to the dark side. Yeah. But we find in the book, you know, Vader's thoughts are of actually killing the emperor yeah. or ending the emperor or emperor being dead, whichever way you want to. Mm -hmm. To me, that almost kind of tarnished a little bit of like, oh, he kind of was planning mm. on the emperor being dead. Right. So that made a sacrifice of like, uh, yeah. So yeah. he kind of got what he True. wanted at the end anyway. So, so I'm, I'm glad they didn't like add that in the movies. Yeah. So here's a funny thing about this. I went and looked halfway through. I was like, when was this book written? And it was 83. And I thought, wow, all this time, so many things are in this book. Yeah. The novelizations are really interesting. Like all three of them yeah. have a lot to offer. Yeah. We want like one of my things. Obi-Wan tells us of An Anakin's death. Yeah. He tells us exactly how it happened. I know. He's describing the scene from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, exactly. Like he really is. He's talking about lava pits. He's talking about the fight. There's there's the reference pit, yeah. to like Vader being so distraught over like his wife and all of this mm -hmm. stuff that uh, I was pretty surprised to see that that really was like always kind of percolating in the background because yeah, I the the Obi Wan talking about the death really did stand out to me because it kind of took me a minute to be like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. You know, this is what, like yeah. decades before that. So that was yeah. really, yeah. I mean, there were a couple little mistakes. Like I, I made notes that like Lucas betrayed his own story with Anakin knowing Padme was pregnant. Right. Yeah. So, so the original Vader did not know that Padme was pregnant. That's what in, this novel is saying. In 1983. Right. Yeah. That's what the novel is saying. But in the new movies, he knows. Yeah. Right. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Why would you, that's not like a, a small nuanced mistake. That's like, okay, Vader didn't know to Vader knows. Yeah. I think it goes from what Khan was saying on his website there, that he was working from an early draft of the script. So I'm yeah. sure there was a point where that was going to be true because they also, I think at one point say that uh, they don't call her by name, but I think they say that Padme died when Leia and Luke were four which was another thing. Yes. Yeah. Because Luke, you know, Leia remembered things like, Oh, I was in a crate. My yeah. mother was very beautiful. Yes. And I think that that's better. And, and actually I did note that Ben admits that if Senator Organa was in trouble to contact him, setting up the show Kenobi. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So there was, so that was in there yeah. and, and it's in the book, 1983. Yeah. Hey, if you're ever in trouble, yeah. you know, reach out to me. Yeah. And so yeah, I know that was a neat moment. I thought that that was really cool of like, oh, man, 40 years later mm -hmm. and it happened. Mm -hmm. I think the way that James Caan wrote it makes more sense. I mean, just think of Luke not knowing he's had a sister. Yeah. And how that affected him. Mm -hmm. Leia's reaction of, oh, you know what? Somehow I've always known. Yeah. And Vader feeling this feeling of. You're my kid. Yeah. You've got to be my yeah. kid. Uh, right. Yep. And then knowing just kind of sets that like triumvirate of like three people realizing that they're all related and without actually having any proof. Yeah. Right. There's no proof. It's just, you know, Ben being like, well, you know, he's your father, yeah. you know, and so and he's lied for all this time. So it's like, I don't know. I thought I thought that that was really interesting mm -hmm. that that. I think that's a better story that I don't know why they did that in well, uh, episode three. I mean, but you know, that kind of rolls into one of the, one of the, I think the biggest differences here is the mm -hmm. reveal about the relationship between Obi-Wan and Owen Lars. Yeah. 
it says Owen's his brother. Yeah. Owen is Ben's brother. Yeah. I was like, whoops. Yeah, that Obi-Wan goes to hide Luke with his own brother on Tatooine. You know, and that's I think that would have been better. It is cool. You know, yeah. It it's cool that yeah, but like I guess Ben or yeah, Owen was uh, supposed to be Ben's brother, not Luke's uncle. Yeah, not like, Luke. No, well, yeah, step, no. What is it? He's <laughs> half brother or something, right? I don't. Know. It's Anakin's step brother is what, what Owen is. His step brother. Yes, so step Luke's brother, like step right. uncle. Yeah, but I think you know that doesn't really gel with the whole concept of like Jedi are taken, you know, when they're kids into training and they don't have family connections and stuff. So to have you know, Obi-Wan have this brother. Yeah. It doesn't really work, but I think narratively it does. Yes. If you just set aside that concept about the Jedi, which you don't learn until <laughs> later, I yeah. think is from, from this story, it's kind of cool to have that be Obi-Wan's brother, but that I think is the biggest, like what moment in here. Yeah. That, well, to me, that was like a, Oh, that's way better because like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, I don't know, my kid's missing. The first person I'm going to call is, like, my brother-in-law mm -hmm. that lives down the street. It is strange. Like, it, it's always seemed odd to me that they, they're like, okay, we have to hide these kids from Vader. So let's take him to Vader's <laughs> yeah. only, only known connection. Let's take the kid there is weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Were there other things that, that popped out to you here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought there were some fun things like we get a snippet of Tanab, the Battle of Tanab, mm -hmm. how Lando got to be general. Yeah. And I thought it was very fun that it all like they just give it a little snippet of it and it was all on a bet. Like he did this whole thing and it was all because of a bet. And I thought, how Lando is that to yeah. like tell this like, you know, one and a half paragraph story about how, you know, something he did, some heroic thing he did. And it was because of a bet. Right. <laughs> I just thought that was really right. Good. But that's some of the um, nice flavor that's in there. You know, like there's. Yeah. I like I mentioned, I think that Han gets a lot of cool stuff as well, where he's just like a little bit more contemplative about like what his role in it and what he's supposed to do and everything. There's just vocal. some interesting things. Yeah, he is. Yep. Yeah. Way more, and, and there was a, a, a you know that whole thing of when Han is trying to let go of the Falcon to Lando, yeah. and it's like mm -hmm. you know I got not a scratch, right? You know, like and Lando in the book does this uh, quip about putting security, but well, you want me to put a security deposit down on it, which I thought was funny, but then all of a sudden in my mind it immediately made it no longer sci-fi, mm. made it like oh, I mean that's like a a normal day to day <laughs> something that we hear, right? True. Almost like true. Breaks the, what do they call it? Breaking the wall, yeah. where it's like, oop, crap! Like you made it like no longer this spacey saga in my head. I was like, oh crap, it's real security deposit. But I thought that was funny that like that's something Lando but like, hey, well, we put a security deposit. I'll yeah. do it, you know what? Yeah. Oh, one thing that I thought was very—I don't know if this is just the way that James Khan wrote it—but when Luke is talking to Yoda for the last time, mm -hmm. Yoda says he fears for Luke, which I thought. Which jumped out to me immediately because Yoda is the one that, that says fear is the path to the dark right. side. Saying like, oh, like I fear for you. I thought, well, that's odd. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, there's other there's other things that the Jedi say. Like, what's the famous line of uh, only <laughs> only a Sith deals in absolute. Yeah, which is a in absolute yeah. in itself. So that's yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that like, but. But I just thought that that, that kind of jumped out to me. And I was just like, oh, mm -hmm. he said he fears for him. So I get I get why that was like taken out of the movie. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of little quirky things like Jabba's 
talks about how many Jedi he's killed and stuff, which also doesn't really gel with like a later understanding of the Jedi. That was very interesting. Yeah, he says, I'm not affected by your human thought pattern. Then as an afterthought, he quotes, it's quote, I was killing your kind when being a Jedi meant something. And I was like, I was like, you know, know. like, let's back that up. (laughs) I don't read that story. Yeah. So like, Apparently that was, a, that, you know, that was a significant aspect of, I guess, of, of Jabba that uh, was yeah. never made known in the, in the movie. So that's, that's pretty big. Yeah. Um, hey, let's bring it to the Ewoks now. Let's do it. Dude, Return of the Jedi Tebow is way different, yeah. right? And we, we kind of do this. Right? Oh my gosh. Tebow in the show yeah. is like orange with a purple dress. Yeah. And he's usually the comic foil, comic you know, he's foil. usually like messing up spells and things where in this he's light and dark gray. He's that he's kind of like line almost. Yep. Um, yep. He's got a horned animal skull. He's larger. He walked. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this. He walked with swagger. Does it say that? Does it say swagger? It wow. It says swagger, which I thought I was like, yo, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Tebow. I did notice at one point when he's like giving a lot of orders and stuff, they call mm-hmm. Wicket and Paplu Tebow's chief scouts. Yes, they do. Wicket is, is way more mature. Yeah. Right. I mean, later on, we get the scene where C-3PO tells the story, you know, tells that kind of animated story yeah. of the rebellion and stuff like that. And then in the movie, when he's done, you know, the elders kind of chat with each other and they're like, you're now part of the tribe. Yeah. Where in this, they're like kind of not convinced. They were like, that's not really yeah. a great story because it doesn't involve Ewoks, right. which I thought was a very Ewok thing mm-hmm. to say. Like, your story's great and all, but it's really not yeah, that what great. what does that have to do He's with that? He's a little more Ewok in it. Yeah. You know, because then Leia comes in and she gives her spiel and she says, do it for the trees. Yeah. Right. Well, Han is saying, like, look, the Empire is going to drain all your resources. And Luke is saying they're, they're going to kill the stars like they're going to kill the stars yep. if you don't do this. And then Wicket, you know, kind of brings it home with his speech. So, yeah, interesting that, like, they had to work a little harder to get the Ewoks to to fight with them. I like that. Yep. I thought that was a cool that bit. was really cool. Yeah. And the Ewoks had a genuine acceptance of the concept of the force. Yeah. They call it not the force. Mm-hmm. It's said in the book. And I thought that that was really interesting that, like. They were like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah we, ca- we know what you're talking about. Yeah. We just call it something else. Which is something that like, we've covered in the cartoon right. a lot because we've seen yeah, force-sensitive like- Ewoks and stuff kind of using it for that. Yep. But um, there was an interesting little tidbit about Luke's lightsaber, too, where he talks mm-hmm. about going to Obi-Wan's old hut on Tatooine and constructing a new lightsaber, which is kind of a cool backstory. You know, I liked yeah. that. I remember you said that like you had started the book and it was things jumped out at yeah. you. Uh, that were different right away. So at the beginning of the book, we get a scene where Luke is in that hut. Right? Yeah. He's kind of like completing saber and putting it inside R two D two. I mean, I don't think he says it, but like he's with R two, and yeah. then R two leaves like a cavern or a mm-hmm. little hut or something. So there is a deleted scene, oh, fully filmed, sounded, and everything. That is that scene. Oh, okay. Luke. That's cool. I didn't know that. Constructing his lightsaber and like sliding it back together, activating it and turning it off. And then you cut to C-3PO outside and then R2-D2 rolls out Mm -hmm. and they're like, and he's like, all right, let's go. And they are start on their way to Jabba's palace. So in the book, I thought, oh, I bet Nick thinks that this is jumped out immediately because. Yeah, I did. The very first 
instead of going right to the droids, it's Luke. We yeah. see Luke. That's interesting, but I but I do feel like the movie made the right choice there because yes, saving Luke's reveal of him just showing up and like being cool and hardcore, I think is much better than seeing him sort of like work out a plan. Exactly. I like the movie version better, but it was cool to read the scene. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't realize it had a direct correlation like that. Yeah, there's a fun aspect. Of it. You know, it's funny. Uh, so there's a there's a line in here. It says flattened down in the bushes on the ridge with the strike force were several Ewoks, including Wicket, Paplu, Tebow and Warwick. Yeah. And I wrote, they mean Warwick because Warwick is Wicket's last name. Yeah. Wicket W. Warwick. So yeah. Warwick, I looked it up. Warwick is, I couldn't find it as an Ewok. I wondered the same thing if that was just a shout out to Warwick Davis. I think so. I think that's fairly clever. And I, I yeah, we get Warwick acknowledged. Yeah. Don't we get a little thing about how Endor, the planet, was destroyed and all we all we get, all we have is the moon left? Wasn't there a little throwaway thing about that? Oh, yes. Yeah, it was consumed. It Yeah, it did get destroyed. Yeah, it was destroyed. Yeah. Yep. And yep. was that a, is that a thing that we've known before or was that original to this that I had never heard that? Yeah, I don't know. I thought that that was interesting. Yeah, I did, too. You know, why did its host planet have to be destroyed like why? yeah i don't think they really yeah i don't think it really gave uh much context for that just just sort of like adding some flavor i guess but interesting yeah, I guess so. yeah. nonetheless i have two last things okay so i thought one thing that was really interesting right in the movie luke is tempted by the dark side mm -hmm. multiple times in the book we get a glimpse of the progression of his temptation mm. he, he says he's standing there and like he sees something like he's seeing visions of mm -hmm. himself and his father and things like that. And like, we don't get that in the movie. He's, True. you know, they're like, you're going to come to the dark side. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not. And they're like, oh yeah, you will. And he's like, well, I guess I'll just be destroyed. You're just going to have to destroy me. But like in the book, it's like in his head, mm -hmm. as he's saying these things, he's being tempted. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, it and was. of course, another big difference was at the end, in the movie, we see the, the ghosts of yeah. Anakin, Yoda, and Obi-Wan. And this, in the book, he sees them in the flames of the fires yeah. of the celebration in the Ewok village, mm -hmm. which I thought was, was cool, you know. But I think the movie, I think the movie is better when we see their force ghosts. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. It's a great end. Yeah, and that kind yeah. of, I don't know, that, that sort of gels with... Um... You know, the way that Obi-Wan, Obi he's sort of experienced Obi-Wan in Empire Strikes Back and everything. I feel yeah. like seeing the Force Ghost makes a little bit more sense in that regard. But it was a neat, you know, the 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 thought there, the image is a cool one, you know, of them coming out of the fire that way. But yeah, great book. I thought he did a great job. I, I mean, too. yeah, I read this in like three sittings. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed all three of the original novelizations. The first one, of course, by Alan Dean Foster. The second one, uh, Donald Glutt and here, James Kahn. The sequel trilogy, which I've also read, those don't don't give you the kind of stuff that we're talking about. They're yeah. they're much tighter to the original. Uh, although The Last Jedi does have a pretty extended bit with sort of like a fantasy life for Luke about, you know, it imagines Luke with a wife and everything. So there's some interesting things there. But I feel like these novelizations, when when they're pulling like uh, like James Conn was from these earlier versions of the scripts and sort of piecing it together from what they know, looking at stills, having seen the first couple of movies, having the words on the paper kind of mm -hmm. forces the author to fill in those blanks that, you know, a facial yeah. expression will give you that in a movie. But he's got to kind of 
give you a motivation for like what's going on to show that through yeah. dialogue or internal monologue or whatever. And I think from that, you get some of these little morsels of information that you can kind of think about. Well, yeah, they're not sitting there stoic and mindless. Yeah. They're thinking of things. And yeah. They are being tempted. They might not show it, but they are. Yeah. That's cool. There were a couple other um, deleted scenes from the movie that were actually in the book, which I oh, thought that's was really cool. funny. Yeah. One scene, I guess that makes sense to the whole like Vader hating the Emperor was there was a scene cut from the movie where Jerjerod, he's the guy at the very beginning, the Imperial officer that is overseeing the construction of the battle station. Okay. All right. You know, the, we shall double our, double our efforts, you know, that guy. <laughs> yeah. He holds power over Vader in a scene where when Vader realizes that in the book, when Vader realizes that Luke is on that shuttle, he leaves the Super Star Destroyer to go to the Death Star to see the Emperor. But the Emperor is like seeing people. Mm -hmm. So this scene that's cut out is Vader wants to get into the elevator to see the Emperor. And Jerjerod says, no, you can't. And Vader kind of like comes at him threatening and the, the Imperial guards like hold out their staffs mm. to stop him. And he's like, see, ha. And so there's like that scene where like Vader's like, all right, fine. I'll come back later. Yeah. Um, that was cut out, but it mm -hmm. was in the book. So yeah. I thought that was great. But like, that's another thing. There's like that. There's this conflict that Vader is having, even though it may not be like the conflict we think we're like, he's going to. Oh, maybe he's questioning his darkness. Yeah. It's like, no, no, he's questioning. I want to go deeper into darkness, mm, yeah, like yeah. killing my emperor, yeah. you know, and like bringing my son in um, to rule the galaxy. But like, I just, I thought that that was great to kind of read through and see their, their, both of their conflicts. So, yeah. I do think the stuff that it adds, just character bits really do kind of help the characters, uh, yeah. help, help your understanding of the characters, you know? And I think you, not every novelization would really function as a novel. But I sort of feel like these original three, uh, and it's particularly this one, I sort of feel like this may be the best of the three of the original mm -hmm. novelizations. I think that if the movies didn't exist and somebody just picked up these three novelizations, it would be a really satisfying sort of fantasy series, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And I think that's really There's cool. There's so much going on. Yeah. It's almost... Yeah, you know, I, I think it could have done with 50 extra pages because it like the last three chapters I felt like w were almost rushed a mm -hmm. little bit. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I wanted to see the description of the space battles a little bit more mm -hmm. than just kind of like the jargon across the, the communications, you know, like Red One, you know, standing by, yeah. Red Five, you know, and then like the, the, they segmented it with like people replying to each other and it was almost chaotic at one point because it was like, he did a good job of that where it was just like everyone like there's one on my tail help i'm over here you know like you know i, I got him and uh, i'm going in and like it was just like a bunch of people replying all in a line mm -hmm. and it you didn't know who it was but you wouldn't right because it's it was so chaotic so i thought that was really cool but i wanted like more of like how that happened and it almost yeah. seemed very rushed mm -hmm. to get like the story of vader and, and emperor and luke and the forest moon and that kind of took the the forefront where in the movie a lot there was a lot going on with the space battle yeah well i think yeah. you know too i mean obviously we're we're primed to look at ewok things i felt like the the ewok portion yeah. was really short like Oh, you know, very short. The yeah. the that scene in the uh, in the movie, you know, where you have the gliders, of course, and like the trees swinging together and knocking things out. 
I don't know yeah. that like the Ewok hijinks really would have worked so well in a novel form, but it does does kind of feel like we skipped over that a little bit, which which I didn't love. So yeah, I'm kind of with you on I could have used another 50 pages, but also I think the brevity, like how quickly it moves, you know, there's no yeah. fat on this yeah. at all. You're just like mm -hmm. zooming right through it. I also think that kind of adds to the experience too. So I'm okay with that as it is, even even though uh, your points are valid. I'm curious as to this extra chapter on Leia. I know. I would I'm love very to curious. That. Like, mm -hmm. where would that have been? I wondered would that it too. Have been her experience when she's on Endor. Yeah. Or like, I I'm curious because, like, man, we're never gonna see that mm -mm. unless unless James Conn, you're listening. Yeah, and you wanna you wanna just copy. slip it to us. We'll never tell. <laughs> yeah. Never tell. But like. I really want to know what mm -hmm. that's about because it's funny you mentioned that like the novelization of the sequels has like something about Luke with Luke being married or something. Would you say yeah. something like that? The last Jedi novelization was written by Jason Fry, who I interviewed okay. over on how's things. So if anybody wants to hear this conversation, uh, oh, and I, I also cool. interviewed Alan Dean Foster and we talked about the novelizations as well, but uh, I am jealous of that. Yeah. <laughs> it starts with Luke just living this very normal life where he's like living on this mm -hmm. planet he has a wife and he has kids and you're sort of seeing like old man luke skywalker happy you know and then yeah. you kind of jump to this solitary sad grumpy luke skywalker you know on this little like island with frog ladies serving him and yeah it's uh it's what they are the caretakers yeah. yeah and it's just sort of uh you know it's almost like a dream sequence and it's kind of cool to yeah. see that because you sort of see some wistfulness in Luke that you don't really get in the movie. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I saw an interview with him shortly, I guess shortly after Hamill. Uh, yeah. Mark Hamill. Hamill. Okay. Sorry. Mark Hamill. He had a creepy like needle mustache. Ooh. It was very funny. Yowzer. And the guy, whoever it was asked him, would you ever, you know, would you ever play Luke again? And he said, nah, I, 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 I wouldn't let, I wouldn't like to play Luke ever again. And this was years ago. So this probably was, 38 years ago oh, okay, in that okay. realm 39 years ago mm -hmm. and he said no no i don't want to play luke again not unless he has a girlfriend or something and you know he kind of talks about that briefly and i was just like so you mentioning like oh he has a family it's just like yeah he said it in an interview true. in an interview that he didn't want to play luke ever again unless he had a girlfriend yeah. and never gave him a girlfriend in no, the movies didn't. but in the no. books he does yeah or he has a wife is it yeah. Mara Jade? Was that her name? Mara Jade is in the expanded about. universe. Yeah, but this wasn't Mara yeah. Jade in the Jason Fry novel. Okay. It was different, but okay. Yeah, I've read most of the novelizations at this point. I haven't read Solo and I haven't read uh, Attack of the Clones or Phantom Menace, but I've read the rest of them. Hmm. So I got to go and do it. Solo no, novel so novelization. Yeah, I know. That, yeah, like, I'd like to read that. I'd like you gotta to read, read it. That. You can read it. You read it for me. I'll read it and okay. I'll let you know. I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. <laughs> yep. You let me know. Yeah. How many uh, how many yub nubs do you get this novelization? Man, I okay. I don't read many books. Okay. Um, but this one really like I burned through this one. It was mm -hmm. good. I don't know. I'd give it like a four point five. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm not gonna give it a five because okay. James Conn didn't add the, uh, the portion Leia, about the Leia Leia. chapter. Yeah. yeah that's why. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I would give it a four. I think, you know, I've read better novelizations. I've read novelizations okay. that I felt like we had some extended scenes. We had a little bit more inner monologue, but I think yeah. there was a little bit more that could be done for character moments and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, that's a mild criticism because I really did like it. And, I, and what he gave us, I, I did like. But I'm going to say four uh, for that reason. But I've, I've enjoyed these novelizations. Yeah. That's good. For sure. Well, yeah. happy uh, 40th anniversary, Return of the Jedi. The Ewoks, yes, the Ewoks and I celebrate our 40th year together, uh, as do you. Yeah, I, I do at the end of the year, yep. towards the end. Uh-huh. And, oh, man, how cool was it to to sit there and read through The Return of the Jedi and just feel like, man... This is how we started. Yep. Let's let's start out with the Return of the Jedi. You said. Yeah, I did. And I said, okay, let's do it. Yep. And here we are. I was almost tempted to watch it again, but I was like, no, 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 no. If I watch it, then I'm gonna get something yeah, mixed up. You're in gonna the mix in the movie. You, you definitely you know? will. You definitely will. Well, so. if watching something is what you want to do, Steve, because I know for the last three episodes this has become a book podcast. Uh, if you want to watch something next next episode, we're diving into the other half of the Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour with Droids, episode Droid. one, The White Witch. <laughs> man, I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, man. I have not seen this show decades. Decades. Yeah. And I haven't, I've never seen the whole thing. I've seen okay. one of the compilations. I feel like it's the Great Heap, maybe, that I've seen a bunch of times. I don't know. But I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to watch it. I can't remember if I've watched it. I don't think so. I haven't watched it yet, so I'm 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 like waiting to to get into it yeah. before the episode. Like I didn't yep. want to I didn't want to watch it like when we started this whole thing or when it was released. I kind of held off because mm-hmm. like okay, we're gonna get to the droids, so I'm just gonna get to it when I get to it. Yep. But you know, seeing a couple of the, like the little uh, icons, like the whatever the um oh like on Disney Plus the little yeah, yeah the yeah. little reveal icons for mm-hmm. each episode. There's been there were two that I was like oh I think I may have seen okay. This all right. And I just thought maybe it was, you know, as a kid, like, did I make that up? I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll find out. I don't know. If have, yes. Yeah, we'll so uh, for the for the next stage of, of the podcast, we're going to be watching an episode of Droids and then covering an issue of the Ewoks comic uh, alternating, yeah. moving through this whole era of Star Wars vintage. Yes. So we will. We'll give you a snippet of the Ewoks. So That's you right. don't feel so. That's uh, right. Because we could never leave no. them behind. Well, <laughs> No, we can't. We get. We can't. All right. You know, and then we, we don't want. We don't want to riot on our hands when no, people sign in to hear not. the next Ewok of thing. Of course not. Ewok. Of course not. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you next time for droids. Yeah, absolutely. See you then. This Endorian Life was brought to you by the Radio Meanwhile Network. Other shows on the network include Previously on X Men, Nineties Music Got Me Like, and Nine O Two One. Here we go. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Facebook or Twitter at Endorian Life. And please rate, subscribe, and share the show wherever you get your podcasts. Boom. Boom.